1212, I go by the name of DJ Wood, and you're now listening to the original Jeek Podcast. Let's go! Make an entrance so backward cut. Come on, cut for me. Oh, yeah. Whoa, slow down. Whoa, speed up. Fresh. What up, Jeeks? My name is Rockin' Mr. Magic, and he is. Unique DNA. And this is the original Jake Podcast. Unique DNA, my man, what's up? What's up? What's up? We are back again. Back, back, back again. I was trying to think of a song. I don't know. We need big country on the show. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You can sing us a couple ditties. Not, yeah. that our, not that our intro music isn't dope, but, you know... Big Country sings a little uh, hilarious ditty here and there. I like it. I can dig it. Yeah, yeah. Most definitely. So um, let's jump right into what we've been doing. So uh, first of all, kudos to you and the rest of the crew, Big Country and D-Royal of Duala, Dads Who Like Anime. If you don't know, that is the other podcast that... A man you need DNA is on that he's hosting with uh, great friends of his. And I recently, a couple weeks ago, have been on their show and I challenged them post show to create a baseball team made up of anime characters that are not from baseball anime. And I have to say, they did a great job. Well, thank you. Thank you. Y'all came up with a very interesting and good team especially big country because he don't know baseball he googled <laughs> it <laughs> and his answers fit especially with i think i gave him you first gave him base, first base, base and, and shortstop shortstop yeah mm-hmm. so he picked his characters based upon what he googled from those positions and what those positions do and how important they are and he made some logical choices um, I did bail you out by giving you the outfield. I should have made it. I know. I was like, he gave me the easiest one. I did but give you the easiest ones. I figured you did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, D-Royal did a great job with the pitcher catcher in third base. So if you haven't heard that episode, I think it's the most recent episode of Dwella. Give it a listen and check it out because I would, I would challenge anybody to create a team to combat theirs because theirs is really really nice yeah it, it was fun it was fun the guys the guys loved it and uh we had fun doing it and now they want to do more challenges so well i will think up of more challenges for y'all bring them on fear not good sir challenges come all right well um that is one thing that he's been working on and I offline, you need DNA had a little, and I had a little text conversation where he was a little concerned that he wasn't on an episode that I had recently recorded um, of our unreleased show, Classic Colloquy. 
which is a show that we will be releasing once all the episodes are created. And essentially, myself and a guest or with Unity Day, depends upon who signs up, we just uh, watch a classic public domain content and talk about a little bit of the history beforehand, watch it together and have some fun banter. And afterwards, we you know, rate it one through five um, of in our for that show, it's going to be one through five classic TVs. And this one, most recent one I recorded, was uh, <laughs> was the first episode of Full Metal Alchemist. And I have only seen a couple episodes. And it really never, like, stuck with me. So the guest, <laughs> while we were recording, he uh, posted on IG that he was recording it with me. and. You mean DNA saw that? Well, they how's that on this episode? <laughs> I mean, it's only right. That's like me recording a Star Trek episode without you. I mean, come on. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, all, I guess. It's only right. <laughs> it's only fair. But uh but, well, I'm I I am i am actually I'm kinda glad I wasn't on it because like I'd be interested to hear you guys' opinions and thoughts without uh unfiltered, I guess is what I'm looking for. Okay, no, um, that makes sense. I'm, you know, it might be different if I was there. Well, versus... well, the the guest um, who's been on this show before, Milan Blackmore of Almighty Gaming Studios, he 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 pretty much filled your role as the Fulmino Alchemist fanboy. Oh, um, oh, so okay. he was, uh, yeah, he he was trying to guide me, you know, through it, and we had a we had a good conversation. Uh, after the show and during the show and it was uh i'll tell you this the show the episode we watched was was the pilot the first episode and it felt shorter than it was we hit the end and i did the uh everything wrong with uh, YouTube, you know, sin, Cinema Sins, everything wrong with uh, when they said Full Metal Alchemist in the show, I did the whole roll credits thing, that mm. joke. And <laughs> when I did, when they said it and I did it, it was actually rolling credits. It was the end. I was like, oh, snap. Um, this episode did not feel like 25 minutes. So the pacing was great. Uh, I don't know why the first couple times I watched it, I just couldn't get into it, but. Maybe I was just forcing myself to pay more attention, but pacing was great. It did not feel as long as it was. And if it wasn't for the fact that we were recording and discussing, I would have pressed play for the next episode. I was ready to keep going. So it was, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. And I'm going to continue watching more Formula Alchemist. I'm glad to hear that. I think I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It's a, it's, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. I was a little confused because it looked like at the beginning. Uh, and okay, um, just for anyone listening, if you haven't seen Full Metal Alchemist, a couple spoilers are about to happen. Uh, so you're warned. Spoilers. Warning. Warning. If right you away. haven't seen it by now, I mean. However, again, but again. You have an Emmy podcast, and one of your one of your co-hosts really hasn't seen it either. So, you know, 
just put it out there. Red alert. Spoilers, okay? <laughs> so, when old boy, uh, I call him Little Eddie because obviously he has this thing about being called short. So, he is now <sighs> Little you. Eddie in my head. Um, when Little Eddie loses his arm and his leg, and it looked like it was his left arm and his left leg, but then at the end, he's missing his right arm and his left leg. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know opposite. if that's an art missing continuity. But either way, homeboy's missing limbs. I, and I, I did not. Uh, I was like, I was wondering, like, how? Okay, he, they got cut off, and then he's walking around, running around with both arms and both legs. That are so I'm like, mm, what did it do? Yeah, it might have been. Uh, you know, I never. Now I gotta go back and look at it. It might have been, yeah, continuity error. But they're supposed to be opposite, like, um, opposite sides. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was clearly opposite sides when he threw the jacket off at the end. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I have to go. I haven't watched episode one in a while. It's been a while. I usually watch it at least once a year. Like, I go through the whole thing. But um, I haven't done my run through this year. Well, it's only May. So. It's only May. I mean, <laughs> I haven't done my run through of Battlestar this year yet. I started it, but then I finished it. Um. I haven't done my oh I know I have done my run through with Star Trek and Full Metal Panic, so I've done a couple of mine, but I still have Firefly, my yearly Firefly run through. I still have my BSG run through. I still have my Trek run through. So, you know, it's only May. We got time. Yeah, yeah. So what do you uh, what do you been up to? I I heard you've been playing a lot of Destiny as usual. As usual, per the use, yeah. Definitely. Per the use. Per the use. Uh, I am playing a lot of Destiny. Um, yeah. I was playing before we got on. <laughs> I'll probably, <laughs> I'll probably sure. play a little bit um, after we get off. But, yeah, playing playing Destiny, I'm going to... I don't, You know, I haven't touched Red Dead in a while. I'm going to hop back into Red Dead. Um, it's been a while since I've played that. Yeah, so we sure need to get the posse home. back together. We do need to get the posse back together. You know, get get the boys back on, get Reggie and LB and, and your cousin D Square back on. Um, but however, like unfortunately, there's been no like new missions. Like all the missions that we did then are still the same online missions now. So um, for the cutting up, it'd be you know fun, but it's not like we've got something new to play together. And and you know, unless we just go from town to town and wreak havoc on people, but. Being griefers really isn't exactly our style, so no. I don't know. We usually we usually just, but usually somebody else does it, and then we we spend the rest of the day chasing after them and yeah, <laughs> paying trying, trying to exact vengeance. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> that's usually how it goes when we're on there. But uh, yeah. yeah, so just so destiny, um, I can't. Yeah, that's destiny's going to jump back into that. Uh, I do want to really. Thing is, like this season, this season Destiny, I think it's gonna go kind of quick for me because there's no like, there's no seasonal armor this time, so most of the season rewards are all items for upgrading and stuff. So I think I'll probably get through the first uh, the hundred uh, season rank levels pretty quick and get all their the season pass rewards, and then I'll probably be able to once I do that and do hit the uh the raid which um 
the Raiders of Vault of Glass. Vault of Glass is coming back. Okay. Wow, that's been so, yeah. That you, long you remember that from D one, yeah. Um, so the and I'm not exactly happy about paying for, you know, Vault of Glass to, to be back like that. Yeah. Kind of whack. If I really want to play Vault of Glass, I can pop in D one and go play Vault of Glass. You know, uh, I'm not excited about them repurposing uh, old content, but you know, whatever. I'm too invested at this point. So after running the raids a couple of times, hitting this, you know, getting all the season pass stuff, I'm probably going to take a, a, a small destiny break because I really want to focus on, uh, of course, uh, losing my mind. Final Fantasy Seven Remake. Mm-hmm. I really need to sit down and play that. I played a little bit of it, but it would look great, and I'm like, I really need to play this, but. My kids are getting bigger and staying up later, so it's like I need to, you know. My wife doesn't think like the Final Fantasy themes around them, so I'm like, all right, I gotta wait for that. So, <laughs> you know, hey, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I she, you know, she doesn't mind if I'm playing like Final Fantasy one or two, like you know, the, old, the really old ones where they're, you know not seeing a whole lot of action and. You know, there's there's a whole lot of cussing compared to any other Final Fantasy game in in the remake than any other one. So, uh, I was like, all right, whatever, I get it. So I want to really get some time into that, and then I don't know. I want to. Oh, Horizon Zero Dawn was free, so I need to I need to play that because everyone tells me how great that game was. Oh, that game is amazing. I have yeah. spent probably way too many hours in that game. So I need, I need to press play on that. So that that's that's my plan. Uh, once you know to ease a bit out of Destiny for a little bit, once I hit the season pass completed, and then play some Final Fantasy VII Remake and Horizon Zero Dawn. Sounds like a solid list, my friend. Solid list. Thank you. Thank you very much. What about yourself? I know I know things have been tough. You've been out there taking all the photos and all the video videos out there in the world for your clients you haven't had time to play fine what what thing what one game are you going to try to put some time in even with the little time you can eke out even i'm I'm probably assuming it's probably gonna be on your switch but yeah game you're gonna try to eke into yeah i was thinking about um now that you mentioned that because usually I get to these jobs early, like I get there like an hour early or whatever. So like I'll set up and then I'm just kind of sitting around waiting for people to show up. And I'm like, you know, I should really start bringing some entertainment <laughs> with me. Because I usually end up just like taking out my phone and like scrolling on Instagram or Facebook or something. Right. And I'm like, I got a whole console in my pocket that I could carry around. And... uh so I am going to start bringing my switch more, um, making sure it's making sure it's charged, and then my camera back. But um, yeah, I, I jumped back on uh, since last week when we recorded. Um, I got motivated to jump back onto. Uh, can't remember the name of the game now. <laughs> um, why did I just go blank? What's the game? With the bells and the chores and the Animal Crossing. <laughs> Animal Crossing. Okay. I don't know why I can't remember the name. I was, okay. 
<laughs> you gave um, me those in the chores, you know that one. Yeah, yeah, the one with the raccoon that robs yeah. me all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Darn it, Tom Look. Uh, yeah, so I jumped back onto that. I got motivated to jump onto that because uh, I had to stop playing for a while. You know, it's like you know, I haven't played Animal Crossing in a while, and so I jumped back onto that. So I've been playing that. Um, but that's just kind of just been around the house and stuff. But yeah, now that I think, now that you mentioned it, I'm like, you know, I can just be sitting around and doing that while I'm on these jobs. Yeah. Um, especially since way, I usually get there early. Your gaming time at home could be that or something else, and you can diversify a little bit and keep up with the bells and your island, and it's all good. But um, uh, other than that, you know, I've still been playing Magic. Um, yeah, on your phone, yeah. On my phone. And um, as far as watching, what did I... I just started watching. Oh, I started watching Shadow and Bone on Netflix um, last this week. Okay. Um, I started watching that, so that's been pretty good. I'm only on like episode three, but it's pretty interesting so far. I'm interested. I mean, it's magic, and it's like, yeah, fantasy. Yeah, so I'm all in. <laughs> Don't take much to 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 get me excited there's absolutely nothing wrong with that description i why would that sounds like fun to me so like i don't there's absolutely zero problem there that sounds like it should hook up hook in anybody uh who digs those so yeah shadow and bone here for it yeah it's been pretty interesting i did not know until i started um so I got I got to like episode three or four that it was based on a book series. So mm. you know me, I'm all I'm all for the books. Definitely. So, but I think they're young adult books. So I don't know. Those oh, are yeah. hit and miss. Yeah, <laughs> YA books. Are, yeah. Yeah. You never know with those YA books what, what's going to happen there. That's cool. That's cool. 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 Well, that's what we are playing, watching, and creating here. We want to know what what y'all been playing lately. You know what what are your games that you're that you're diving into? You can't wait to dive into, and share with us either in the Jig Nation community on Facebook or on our Discord server, which are all the links to both are in our show notes. We would love to hear, and we would love to interact with you. We'd love to play with you. So if you're playing Animal Crossing, if you're playing Destiny. Or any other uh, communal, you know, MMO or multiplayer game, definitely let us know, because we would love to interact and play with you. Yes. All right. So we're gonna move to first our big topic, main topic, the main event of the episode. Recently, the Tampa Bay Lightning made history with the first all-black starting line of forwards in NHL history. If you don't know what a starting line of forwards is out there, that is your left winger, your right winger, and the center, not including the two defensive men. For the first time, this has happened that they started the game. Do you think this 
you know, historic event uh, can help the small but growing number of black players. Uh, and that will we see more in the future, especially will we see those that are born in the United States? Uh, that's a tough one. I think it's only natural. Well, I only ask the hard questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's only natural. I think that's just kind of the natural progression of... We've seen it in all sports, right? Where um, where it starts to be more prominent in the black community. Um, you know, then it just start, like kind of explodes. We've seen it with basketball. We've seen it with football. We've seen it with baseball. We've seen it with... Um, we haven't really taken over soccer yet, but I, well, in a way, I guess we have. Well, <laughs> I mean, USA um, not so much in the USA, but like, I mean, I mean when you look at the growing number of soccer teams around the world, well, the vast majority are. I mean, the last World Cup. I mean, yeah. Africa won the World <laughs> Cup. Okay. Right. Now, there, there wasn't a single Frenchman right. on that squad. <laughs> <laughs> That was a so, bunch of uh, black dudes from various African countries. Okay, yeah, let's keep it one hundred. Um, Track and field. I mean, it's just every like, and I, that's not. I'm not like one of these like, you know. I mean, I love my people. I'm not like one of these black elitists, but I think black people just tend to work harder, and so they are not genetically disposal disposed to be better at sports. But we just I was about to say, don't 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 repeat that. Uh, Fast twitch muscle fiber crap. Right, that's why I said I'm not a, I'm not a black elitist in that sense. Why we keep beating them? You have more fast twitch muscle nah, fibers. I think it's just we work harder because we don't have any. <laughs> like for us, you know, for most black people, right? It was like at least even I know growing up for me, it was like you know, stay out of jail. Only way to stay out of jail was to rap or play sports or play be sports really, you know, is a lot. <laughs> And rapping, trying to stay yeah. in jail. Yeah, so um, you know, a lot of, and I know that that's pretty big for a lot of, especially in America, a lot of young black kids, um, male and female now, um, just trying to stay alive. It's like the only way to make it out the hood is play sports, uh, which is not true, but you know that's what they kind of sell you on. Yes, and so after school specials, yeah. So I think. I think because of that, we just work a lot harder at these sports because we're like, this is all we got, you know. Um, so I think seeing the face, you know, because growing up, we didn't see a whole lot of I can't even name one black NHL player growing up. Well, you're, a, well, see, well, you're a Jersey cat, so I wouldn't expect you to like. Being from Detroit, you know, being from Hockey Town, I watch a lot more hockey than the average black person. Fair, you know. Same with you know the few black folk you know from you know Minnesota or Wisconsin, you know, Massachusetts places where you know an original six team is, or places that are close to Canada, where you would just have access to to more hockey, and you would and winter sports mean more in in those states. So. It that that just that's just natural. That makes sense. Like so, when I think of you know black players when I was growing, when we were growing, when we were kids, 
There weren't many. I mean, <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. Were, there it was many, like a there, one or two. Yeah, there were a couple. <laughs> there, there was there was a goalie uh, from Ed, uh, who was mostly known from his time on uh, Edmonton. Um, you know, during the Gretzky Messier super loaded Edmonton teams, his name was Grant Fuhrer. He was a goalie, very light skinned brother. But you know, brothers didn't matter. You know, uh, so, and I say that I, I preface my I say that because Grant Fuhrer was very light skinned. So there were people who did not know he was black. Right. He you know he was very light skinned. I could look at him and see he's black, but there were in some lights and some angles you could say, okay, I can see where he's passing. So uh, that's why I said it that way. Um, there is another brother, Jerome Ignilia. I am sure I'm mispronouncing that. He's got one of them French Canadian eight name names. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't. I he's he's dope. He's been he's probably my favorite um, black player from that time. Actually, probably my favorite black player period in hockey. Um, and then now now and then that was, and then he had Donald Brashear, who was an enforcer, and he had played for the the Flyers and some other teams, but. Those were like those were your three black dudes, pretty much, you know, especially around the nineties, you know, late eighties and nineties. Um, now you've got you know some more. You've got the Subban brothers, you've got um, Popeye Jones, his kid yeah. Seth, and yeah. Seth is the only USA one born one I can know of. And you got another a bunch of other Canadian brothers that are now in the league. Yeah, I think, but I think, yeah, I think it'll it'll we'll see more. I don't know about USA born players because that's, that's, that's the that, tough part that's the tough part like because man I, I think of sports that we dominate that we you know, we do well in or dominate in and it's the ones where the access is easiest so when we factor the economic part of sports um the ones with the easy exact easiest access one well, basketball is the easiest access sport. Period. All you need is a ball and something to put the ball through. You know, I and mean, if you're inventive, you can you know take an old you know a hamper and cut out the bottom, and you've got a hoop. You can take a you know a milk cart and you've got a hoop. Like you can turn almost anything into a hoop. So basketball right. is just extremely accessible, regardless of your level of of, of income, right? you know your economic level. Right. Um, soccer same is another, thing with football too. And football is another one. I mean, all you need is a, a area, the ball in an area and not be afraid to be tackled whatever surface you're playing on. So if you want to yeah. play on a hard surface, you want to play in grass. You know, it's and even that, you know, you play two-hand touch or whatever. Or you play touch or flag or whatever. But, you know, that's a little tougher than basketball because generally you want to be able to play on the proper surface, which would be grass. So sometimes it's harder to find a field big enough for an actual football game. But it's still pretty easy. Yeah, you just really need the ball. No one's yeah. kicking extra points in a pickup football game. You right. just need the ball. Yeah, and then soccer is the same way. You need that that field space. But soccer is probably a little bit easier, even because playing on a hard surface is really no big deal. You're just right. not going to be slide tackling anybody, and no right. one's doing anything that technical as a kid in pickup anyway, unless they're trying to fight somebody. So um, those three are super easy to get access to. We used to play a lot of baseball, um, but we don't play as much baseball no more. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I and I think part of that's culturally. Um, our hero, you know, our, 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 I don't want to say heroes, but 
our public figures don't talk baseball about baseball champions. Well, no, but our public figures don't talk about baseball the, the same way. Our public figures nowadays, especially ones like around our age that are prominent in pop culture for black people, they're not talking about growing up and watching baseball players that much. They'll mention one or two. They'll mention Griffey and some others, but not the way that our parents and their parents talked about baseball players because baseball players were the athletes back then. People yeah. were, every, every, all the people were talking about Babe Ruth and, you know, they were talking about Cobb and talked about Pete Rose and talked about all these old players and Willie Mays and, you know, Ted Williams and Sandy Koufax and all these old players, and Hank Aaron's. And, you know, and Hank Aaron's and, uh, you know, DiMaggio and Yogi Berra and all, you know, Yankee after Yankee after Yankee. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, Reggie Jackson was saying a lot of great players play from the Yankee system. Love him or hate him is what it is. The Yankees so, bought a lot of their players, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> this is okay. He's a Mets <laughs> fan, y'all. So, okay. It's just, it's just keep it in proper context. Hey, I'm a Tigers fan. They're, they were, when we were still in the AL East, they're an AL East driver. I'm not a Yankee fan, but hey, and there's, they won a lot of titles and they've had a lot of great players. And can't, you know, I they can't bought a lot of titles and they bought a lot of great players. But anyway, hey, y'all could have spent, spent money too. No, hey. So my team spent a lot of money trying to win, and unfortunately, we just didn't win. But because <laughs> when we had Verlander and Miggy and all the people, we still didn't win. But at least we got there, though. I'm happy for that. But, well, we made it there. What 2015? 2015, yeah. Yeah, and then we blew it. Well, but anyway, yeah, well, that's we, the conversation there, for another we day. We made it there a couple <laughs> times, and we still blew it. So, yeah. but the access to baseball, like, so baseball was something that used to be kind of easy because all you really needed was a bat and a ball. And, you know, a lot of people grew up playing stickball or just there were there were baseball fields a lot more prominently around areas, but not as prominently around areas and they're not maintained very well. So people just don't go up and pick up and play baseball anymore like they used to. Yeah, um, that's true. And especially for black folks, there's just not you don't see young black people, young black people playing baseball that much anymore. Uh, it's, yeah, that's like it's, even it's though not, it's not a big, it's not as part of the culture as it used to be. So, while this is cool, and I think it should inspire, I think it will inspire more. I think it's still going to be very regional because, in like for example, like like for you are in Jersey, like how many ice hockey rinks do you know of in your area? Mm, we actually, well, where I live, I live in sort of you know PWC land, but um. <laughs> <laughs> so we, how many are in your area even even like uh, in a predominantly white area like how many ice hockey we, around? we've got three which, which is a lot that's a lot oh <laughs> uh, I, I i admit that's a lot but a again lot. i live in a pwc so um even for a pwc that's a lot yeah well because i mean we got one so there's like one uh, we got one inside the community center, which is like, from my house, is like 10 minutes drive. Okay. Um, then there's one at the the park, which is a little bit further. It's like maybe 15 minutes away. Um, and then there's one at another park. That's That one's a little bit further. That one's like half an hour or so. Um, but it's still like, you know, they're they're all accessible. They're not far. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, can only think of, I can only think of one. 
in the Lehigh Valley. Um, there, there may be more than one, but f- that I know of, there, there's only one. And this is an area that there's, I mean, it's not, I mean Pennsylvania is not a hockey state, but there's, there's a decent amount of hockey fans and people who are excited about hockey. Now, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, the Dakotas, you're going to have a lot more hockey rinks. Um, and it's a lot more accessible. It's a lot bigger part of the, the state culture. You know, they're, they're Michigan and Michigan State, uh, Minnesota, big hockey programs on at, at those universities. Yeah. Um, well, that's also because they're so close to Canada, too. Partially as well, yeah. And, and, they, and the, they'll bring in Canadian imports to, to the universities. And also, you know, you've got you know, the Red Wings are an original six team. Uh, the Boston Bruins are original six team. You know, um, even for like uh, upstate um, fans, the New York Rangers are an original six team. You've got uh, a lot of hockey history, you know, tying into those areas as well. Uh, so that makes a difference culturally as far as, you know, what you saw growing up. And also success. Uh, I mean, the success of the Red Wings, especially in the '90s, that that yeah. definitely would lead, you know lead, led to people wanting to get into the game, uh, and it's more accessible there. But not only is it accessible, uh, that's a pro- accessibility being a problem, but also it's expensive as all get out. It is very expensive. I remember we, my dad, tried to get us into it when we were younger. And yeah, just like the this, you know, your hockey stick, and like you know, once you start getting pads and everything else, and then um, if you're not in like a league or something and trying to rent out like a hockey rink, like yeah, the, like it I adds up fast. Yeah, it adds up fast. It adds up <laughs> to to become a hot like. Because even just ice skates, ice skates alone. Oh, the ice skates are expensive. Yeah, they're like what 150, 200, somewhere around there. Actually, probably more if you like getting really, really, you know, high end ones. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you get a pair of Bowers, they're probably going to run you about a, you know, and you've got normal feet, like unlike me, you're probably they're probably going to run you about one twenty, one fifty. Right. And so that that's part of your entry level. That should be your entry entry level cost. That and ring time, because before you even start playing the game, you gotta learn how to skate. So you gotta you gotta get some skates. You gotta get some ring time to make sure you learn how to skate before you bother putting pads on and picking up the stick and getting a puck and trying to put the puck into a net. You know, so it is. It's tough, and you really have to make a concerted effort um, to bring more uh, black players, just people, players of color, period. I mean, I, I was looking at this article that said um, that at the max, there's only 6% of the, 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 at the max, 6% of the NHL's players are players of color. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. But see, it, it does, but hockey is also like, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's not huge in, you know, in China or Japan, but it's not small either. You know, like I would expect there to be a little higher um, 
of a, a percentage just from that. But I mean, the NHL f- is full of you, you know players from the United States, Canada, um, you know, in Europe, in Europe, you know, European company in countries. But it's uh, but for here, like like I mentioned, Seth Jones, who was the only American born black player I can think of, and I'm like, yeah. And, he he had access. His dad played in the NBA for, I think, a good ten years. I mean, he wasn't a star, but Popeye Jones made some millions of dollars playing in the NBA. So, you know, he was going to be able to afford access to the many things that you need to become a hockey player. And unfortunately, they they are expensive. And I think about it before, even before this, something like uh, like golf. You know, Tiger Woods becomes great, and everyone's like, oh, black people are going to start playing golf more. And for a while, black people were playing more golf. Um, and I think as a whole, we do play more golf than we did, especially, you know, 80s and 90s. But you don't see more black players playing at the PGA level. It's still pretty much just Tiger. Um, and I don't, I, I know cost is a big thing for golf too. Um, Goodness gracious, is it? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, going to a a good country club with a really good course, that's expensive. Yeah. One thing I will say, and I don't know if you guys have one yet, but we just got one here, like close by. And I had only ever been to one when I went on a business trip a couple years ago. But Top Golf. We have a Top Golf. Yeah, hasn't made it much more accessible at least um to if you just want to go out and just hit some balls and just learn how to how to play know, how to play cuz like my um my dad started going and like now they they the one over by us they they're offering lessons like for pro you know from pros uh-huh. which is pretty cool so i forgot how much he said it was but it's um, it's, it's interesting. It is very expensive. I, mean, it, I know it, that it's always been a rich, it's always been a rich white man sport. Um, yeah, that in tennis, like they are the rich white man sports. And and I I mentioned Tiger. I'll mention the Williams sisters. You you don't see aside aside from Naomi Osaka, we haven't seen any other sisters or any brothers really come up big in tennis. They've been the standard bearers, you know, for black folk in in tennis. You know, I mean, yeah. I remember Maya V. Washington in the 90s. He had a little run in Wimbledon, but I don't even think he made it to the semifinals. We were just excited that he made it, I think, into the quarterfinals. Like, just don't. And, and that's expensive. I mean, tennis is, you know, to get to a really nice tennis court, it's yeah. generally going to cost you a pretty penny. And then, like you said, tennis pros make a lot of money teaching people how to play tennis. Just like yeah. golf pros yeah. make a lot of money teaching people how to play golf. Yeah. But at least tennis is a little more easier to get into. Well, but in areas, but that's again, that's like if you live like you, like yourself or myself, who lives in a uh, predominantly white area, your, your schools generally may have outdoor tennis courts that you can pay for, you know, a reasonable amount for access to. But well, ours are free, but um, 
Oh, look at look at look at <laughs> and we got some pretty nice ones. They just actually they just read the like literally around the corner from my house. I was trying to get convince my wife to like get into tennis. But um because like we can, you know, do it together. Um play doubles. But um they just redid the the tennis courts by our house. Uh-huh. They're nice. Like they it's one, two, it's like four courts. And you know, all new, brand new nets, brand new everything. They just installed the lights so you can play at night. Like it's crazy. Yeah, fancy but um stuff. Okay. and yeah, this is all free. You just walk up, <laughs> you know, it's gated, of course, but yeah. um it's, it's never locked. Uh, so Bro, have you played cool. tennis? I played tennis in high school, not like competitively, but no. I'm just saying, like, um, just just even okay, because I've only played tennis about a handful of times, but that game is hard. That game it is, is hard. Not easy. It is. It is hard. It's very hard. As you got to have a lot of a lot of stamina too. Stamina, energy, quickness, reaction time, and the hand-eye coordination. To actually serve the ball and get that thing over the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the people doing these overhand smashes and all that stuff. I'm like, nah, man. You got to be playing for a long time to pick that up. You can't just pick up a racket and go out there and be like. Because, you know, as you know, as, a, as basketball players, you know, we're like, well, that's like running back and forth to the basketball court. You know, shuffling side to side. Like, we do that all the on the court all the time. No big deal. Yeah, it's different. That racket and that small little neon green ball flying at you, that's a whole another different it is it is a lot harder than it looks. Yeah, it is. It is not easy. But it's a good workout if you want to oh, get in a, shape. It's, <laughs> it's a great workout. It's a great way to work out yeah, and have some fun. That thing it. will have you worn out in a hot second. But it it but it's most places it's it's like when I hear the Williams sisters talk about, you know, them coming up in in their t- tennis courts in Compton, it just the words tennis courts in Compton just seems like such an oxymoron. It does. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, huh? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, because most folks, I mean, they if they want to play tennis, they have to find some type of country club, or if they live in an area that has a you know a school or a public area that has tennis courts, and they're fortunate enough to to use those, but that's not. That's not most areas. Most areas don't just have open tennis courts for you to go to and practice on. But pretty much anywhere in America, you can find a field that you can play football on or a court where you can play basketball on. And I think that if these sports, particularly the NHL, since that's the topic we're talking about, if they are interested in having more players of color um, obviously not just black players, but just more players of color, period, then they really are going to have to make a, a concerted effort to encourage and and help in some way and not just like, hey, you know, the, the program, you can just play hockey for free or whatever because even though that would be cool, that's not always the answer. You have to people get people to actually want to get their kids involved in it, but they, they would really have to make an effort to encourage um, kids of color to to play hockey, and you have to be creative about it. Like, um, they would need to partner socially, um, 
you know, locally, probably even within pop culture. So, uh, you know, whoever is hot at the moment, they will probably need them to start rocking some hockey jerseys. Like, um, like, like Tupac used to rock that Red Wings jersey back in the day. Like, they would get some, they would need some people to, uh, to help promote hockey within various cultures, within black culture, within Hispanic culture, you know, uh, and, and make it appealing. And also probably education-wise, too. Maybe, like, look, you know, saying to kids, hey, you know, this could be not everybody can make the football team. Not everybody can make the basketball team. Maybe you should try hockey. Yeah. You know, you like pads, like hitting people, but, you know, you're not fast enough on your feet. You know, can you balance? Because if you can balance and you can skate, well, then we got people you can hit here on this ice. That could be, you know, and, and bas- I mean, hockey is, is essentially, I mean, in so many ways, it's basketball on ice. Uh, you know, the five on the five on five portion, at least, um, you know, incorporate your, uh, you know, your goalie. But there's so many similarities between the games and the, the, the quick pace of them both that if you can grasp basketball, you can grasp hockey. Definitely could be something that is appealing, you know, but they would really have to try. Yeah, yeah. It, you you got to get, you got to get the cultural icons involved. That's how you sell it. Yeah. When you get the when you get like you said when you get the rappers talking about it, then you get the, you know, the the idols, quote unquote. That's when you get the kids, basically, and because you know you got to make it cool. Yes. And you got to make it relevant, and I I think that's been the biggest, um, I guess drawback is like, like you said, like when, when Jay Z and and you know, different ones were, were rapping about in the nineties and early two thousands of rapping about Tiger Woods, P. Diddy and all of them. Yeah. Um everybody wanted to play golf. Everybody wanted to be a golfer. I mean Nike commercials had all these black people going, I'm I'm gonna play golf. Right. And then um and you had, you know, sitcoms, you had, you know, DL Hughley on the Hughley's talking about I'm I'm playing golf now. You know, right. all these black folk, you know, it became you know, before normalized, this became a uh, a thing to say. It was a thing people were doing in pop culture: was normalizing black people playing golf, normalizing black people uh, wearing polo shirts to go play golf. Right. Uh, so, yeah, the the pop culture part definitely important. And I mean, I remember just when I remember when Mighty Ducks came out, and just that movie had black kids talking about. Wanted to play hockey. I had never seen so many other black kids talk about hockey. You're like, who? I, I would like to try out hockey. It looks fun. Like, not once beforehand, but you know, they saw, you know, the you know Jesse Hall and uh, and you know Juicy Smollier playing the Hall yeah. brothers. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I forget the actor's name. Brandon something, I think. Um, but they saw, you know, the Hall brothers and. Uh, and Monty Ducks, and they were like, "Okay, you know, we out here playing hockey too. Cool, okay, yeah. let's let's do this. Why not?" And you know, just seeing that makes this it makes a big difference in just interest 
and then you take that you and then they would need to take that interest and you'll know, really cultivate it um to to help it grow but it could definitely be done it would just really really take that concerted effort that yeah i think part of it is just like american culture too like american culture has to like you know like we said like only there's only certain parts of the country that are really into hockey and the other parts are just kind of like you know yeah hockey what especially the south (laughs) nobody nobody in the south is thinking about hockey well but you, you say that and i used to say it all the time but the south has i mean tampa bay I mean, you don't get more more south than Florida now. Okay, um, and they, they have they have the Florida Panthers uh, franchise there too, and uh, Atlanta has the Thrashers, and oh man, what's another team in the South? Well, Dallas has the Stars. They used to, which was like well, when the Mighty Dust came out, the franchise was in Minnesota. They were the Minnesota North Stars, and they moved to Dallas, and it became the Dallas Stars. Uh, there's some other. I think there's another team I'm forgetting that's uh, down south. But you got, uh, although Carolina, uh, I think North Carolina has the Hurricanes. So you've got some teams, you know, in southern states. And Tampa Bay has been very successful. They won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago, I want to say. Uh, so it's it's not like uh, the south is completely void of hockey. They There's a lot more interest in it than you know, we just stereotypically assume there is. And honestly, I mean, there's there's not like there's no reason why we stereotypically assume there, you know, there, that there's not a big amount of hockey down there because it's the South. It's hot, for one thing. Um, right. you know, it's a winter sport. You know, a lot of these people have never seen snow outside of TV. So that's not, you know, we're not going to pretend that, you know, winter sports are a huge thing there, but. Yeah, there's there's a pretty significant hockey presence, you know, in the South. So I think yeah, it's it's really a a, a factor of just how how important is that to them, and really, it's, just, it's to me, it's a business decision because there is a fight for number three amongst the major uh, brand, the the major sports leagues. On who's going to be number three? For so long, it was um, baseball. It was Major League Baseball behind the NBA and the NFL. And right now, it's the NBA and the NFL still one and two. But we don't know who number three is because, you know, the Major League Baseball is losing viewership and such. And hockey hasn't taken ground at least significantly enough yet. So it's a toss-up. And if they want that business... And they want to really make and solidify themselves as the third major brand. Then I would think it'd be worth it for them to start really investing in uh, in better exposure, more exposure for people of color uh, amongst uh, hockey. Just, I mean, most arenas are in urban areas. Like you know, your fan base is right there. And I think it was a, it was several years ago that the Atlanta Thrashers um, were having difficulty, like, getting people to go uh, to their games. I think they had, like, one or two black players um, on their team at that time. 
Yeah. And you know, I guess one of the marketing people was like, well, let's, this, this is Atlanta. And if you right. don't know the general direction, it's Atlanta, okay? Atlanta <laughs> is chocolate city, all right? Like Atlanta right. and D.C. are like 80% black. The ton of black folk in Atlanta. So they were like, well, we've got a bunch of guys named Seven on these posters and these billboards. How about we put the, the black dudes on these posters and let's see what happens? And they did. And all of a sudden, black folks like, hey, oh, we got brothers on this team. Oh, okay. Well, let, let's check them out. And they started seeing increases in uh, in attendance and ticket sales. So they make a concerted effort like that, and fans have responded. If they make a similar concerted effort like that, I think players will, will also respond, and we'll see a healthy increase in uh, you know black, Hispanic, Asian players within hockey, especially from this country. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how this, you know, shapes out the the future of NHL and just hockey in general when it comes to not even just black people, but just people of color in general getting into hockey. Um, but you know, with a historic milestone like that, it it looks good. It looks like it's in the moving in the right direction. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> Def- it's definitely moving in the right direction. You know, most definitely. All right. Well, say, sticking on to sports, we're going to move into some quick hits here. And while hockey has a doesn't have a long tradition of people of color, there is a long tradition of Marv Albert in NBA basketball. After this 2021 NBA playoffs, legendary announcer Marv Albert will be calling it a career. Marv Albert has been coach has been the coaching he's been calling nba games longer than unique dna have been alive uh he's been calling them since the 1970s he called the new york knicks winning their <laughs> championship in 1974 that's how long marv albert has been calling nba games 58 years unique dna what are you, some of your favorite moments that you remember that were called by Marv Albert? Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know, man. Just everything. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, you hear that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it counts. And it counts. And, oh, my God, he did it again. I mean, he's just, like it's just the voice man it's iconic it's it's like it's like um it's like when you know like madden when madden was you know calling football games it's like you know yeah it was just like man you just know um well let's start let's start with like the probably the most iconic of them all the 1991 nba finals jordan drive jordan Gets the pass, slashing into the lane, gets the ball, goes up with his right hand, changes hands in midair for no reason. Oh yeah, makes the layup. Who can forget that one? A spectacular move by <laughs> Michael Jordan. Like <laughs> that Mars Mars voice, man. Like that. He that, had that the perfect amazing, voice. But yeah, that move was amazing. But without his help, that call. A part of the magic isn't there without him calling it like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
like that one is that's one of the ones I that's one of the first ones I always think about. I think of Marv Albert, and I'm thinking about that call. Um, yeah, there's another big one that he did, um, a LeBron one when Bron hit the three against uh, the Magic in the yes. game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. Don't remind me. I, I locked that one in the vault. <laughs> okay, your, your Magic won the series, okay? You can, you can, let, you can did, let it live. But, you oh, won man. the series. Come on, man. We were, we were up. Hey, okay, we were you up. know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, okay? Your squad never should have lost that game. Y'all, got, y'all rested on your laurels. You have one game one in Cleveland. You thought you had them broken. You started resting on your laurels in game two, and they came back, and Braun hit that shot, which I did not think he was going to make because his jumper was not what it is now, and he hit that three. And I was like, that tied y'all up at 1-1. But one he, point. You, had a, you had a right to be worried because y'all definitely should have been up two. Y'all should have swept them. I mean, let's keep yeah, it real. Yeah, one point. I think I mean, a... it was a gentleman's sweep with five games, but y'all should have swept Cleveland. Yeah, <sighs> Turgaloo stopped playing hard. I'm, I'm gonna put a lot on Turgaloo too. He stopped playing hard that game because Turgaloo. Oh, so we had such a good squad that year too. Like, we had a very good squad. You had Dwight. You had Rashard Lewis. You had Turgaloo playing his out of his mind. You had JJ Redick. You had, had Jameer um, Nelson. You had Nelson, Skip. Yep. Yep. Um, y'all, your squad. We had um, nice. uh, oh, what's his name too? We had on on that squad. You had um, you had uh, um, wait, wait, Courtney Lee's rookie year. That was Courtney yep, Lee's rookie yep. year, and he was playing extremely well. He made himself a lot of money with his play with that series. He kept yeah. getting signed and traded for, just hoping for another O nine Courtney Lee. Yeah, yeah, we had a great squad. Huh? Just couldn't pull it off, man. Couldn't pull it off. <laughs> Lakers, Lakers were Lakers were not Cleveland. <laughs> That's true too. That's true too. The Lakers were um, not Cleveland, but you know that that those that was a, you know fantastic calls, and you know because I watch a whole bunch of older film, you know there were some just great calls that you know old Knicks fans remember just from because uh, he was the one who called the Willis Reed ankle game, you know, when, you know and. Willis with the jump. Good. <laughs> yeah. Frazier over to over to over to the pearl. Two foot jump. It's good. <laughs> Bill Bradley. You know, he just Bill really Bradley. knew how to get you hyped for like he he knew how to get you in the game. Yes. Yeah. He, he knew how to get you in the game. Prepared. You 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 know, he did not feel like an announcer. He felt like he was one of us watching the game. And just describing it how we would. Yeah. And because it didn't feel like a guy doing a job. It felt like a guy who was like, I get paid to tell my friends what's happening in the game. Like, it had such a really relaxed vibe to him. And yeah, I just, I, I love NBA basketball won't be the same you know, without Marv Albert. Um, and not to knock. You know, Mike Breen, who's done a great job in, you know, his uh, iconic bang, you know, the three-pointers, that's taken, you know, a life of its own. I give him props for that because, you know, the yes and it counts was what – that's all anybody said. You, <laughs> yeah. were, out, you were on the court balling. You know, people, <laughs> people hit a man one, they'd say that. 
or yes and the foul. Like right. people were repeating Marvel all the time. Yeah. And after 58 years, obviously, people been hearing Marv Albert for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we all grew up listening to him. Yes. Just in in so many seminal moments in in basketball. So many. Were just accompanied by his voice. Like, I remember the first time I watched an old film that he was calling, and I was like, I didn't know that voice. And my dad was like, yeah, it's Marv Albert. I'm like, He's still announcing. He was like, <laughs> yeah, he was announcing in the 70s when I was a kid, too. And I'm like, how long has this dude been doing this? Like, it's a long time. It's been a long time. And to keep that energy and, and all those hours of basketball, like 50, like, there are people who unfortunately will not live 58 years. That man has been calling basketball professionally. And it's not like, you know, he was calling high school back in 1972. No, my man was calling the NBA for all that time, you know, through Showtime, through the Bulls six, you know, six uh, championships, through through the Lakers three-peat, you know. I think you, let's see, you had how many decades, like even though obviously it's 60 years, but the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, the 2010s, now the 2020s. That's a lot of decades. That is a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> that is, that's a long career. That's a long career. And it's just uh it's just awesome to have been privileged enough to you know to witness and hear Marv Albert and and the magic he brought to, to basketball. All right, speaking of magic, um you need to imagine he's been playing Magic the Gathering, but there's another card game that he likes. He likes Pokemon as well. <laughs> Unique DNA. Target will no longer sell Pokemon cards in stores because they say, and I quote, there is a legitimate fear. I'm sorry. Um, there is a an abundance of caution for the safety of both their guests and store employees because of selling Pokemon in store. How do you feel about that? I think it's uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I understand. Like, I read the article um, and I get it. There's, you know, there's been some incidents and you know, they cited some incidents of people opening boxes in the store, the cereal boxes in the store to steal cards. And, yes, um, just terrible. Which is ridiculous. Come on, people. They're like, you know, a few dollars a pack. Just just buy the cards. Or buy the cereal. Cereal is like $3. Right. <laughs> buy, buy the box of cereal. Buy the box of cereal. You, you know, it's, it's, it, you, you buy the box of cereal. Okay, you don't want to eat the cereal? Cool. Donate the cereal to a local food shelter or something. Yeah, I mean, Feed some on. local children or something. If all you care okay. about is the Pokemon card, <laughs> you don't care about the cereal, do some good with you getting the Pokemon card. Just don't be stealing Pokemon cards out of cereal box so some little kid who gets a cereal gets his heart broken because now he's got stale cereal and no Pokemon card. Yeah, yeah. On top of everything else, that, that's just crazy. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I understand. I guess I understand a little bit, but I don't. Because I mean, I haven't seen that much. I've seen the hype online about over Pokemon cards, and I was even talking to Big Country because um, I forgot what we were talking about, how we started the conversation. But I was telling him that like Pokemon cards are making a comeback. And uh, well, they've already made a comeback at this point. Yeah. And I was yeah. telling him how you know um, he was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah." So I was telling him about the the old Charizard cards that are going for like thousands of dollars yeah. now. So much. And um, and uh, he was like, "What?" So I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "I need to go," which I still need to do. I need to go and get out my my binder. Get your <laughs> I got engraved. some. Yeah, I got a bunch of, like, I got a bunch of, um, I had a bunch of basketball cards and Pokemon cards. And I, you know, I put them in the sleeves and I had the binder. I had that binder since, like, I don't know, seventh grade. Okay. And, um, they just been traveling with me from house to house. <laughs> and, uh, I still have some of my basketball cards. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got a good, like, I got the whole, I got the original Dream Team. Um, I got a bunch of other cards in there, and I, I haven't got any of them, but they're all in like perfect condition because it was like I got them, I stuck them in the in you know in the sleeves, and, and like stuck them in this binder, and I just never, you know, when I would get new ones, I would buy new pages and put new ones in there, but I never like took them out or anything. Yeah. So um, they're in good shape. Yeah, there's like a ton of them, and it's like I don't know, it's like maybe twenty, thirty pages in there. Um. And then I got some that I just like kind of stuck on the side. You know, you have you don't have pages yet, so yeah. you just stick it in little pockets and stuff. So um, yeah, I was telling him I need to go and dig mine out and get them, uh, get them appraised and see, get them graded, see what I can get for them. Yeah. But uh, I mean, like I've seen I've seen the hype online. Like I said, I've seen the hype online. You know, everybody on Twitch now is doing you know. Open, they do open the open Pokemon. Yeah, they're opening packs and stuff. I see it on YouTube. Yeah, shout, shout out to the Infinity Bros. They've been opening Pokemon packs. Yeah, the Infinity Bros. They do it what every Tuesday, I think yeah, it is. I think so, every Tuesday. Or Thursday. But um one of those T days. Yeah. Team Rocket Tuesday. Yeah, that sounds right. Um so yeah, I um I've seen the hype online, but like I'm I go to Target all the time. I, I don't never see like this, You'll like they're talking around. about with people. Yeah, yeah, like people camping outside and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's gotta be. You're you're looking for the the crowd of people that are there for that are like at a, you know, a Foot Locker for Jordan release. Yeah, know. like I mean, I've seen the hype around. Like right, like I've seen the sneaker hype. I I lived the sneaker game for years, and you know, I, I've been through the raffles. I've been through the camping out and all that stuff. I don't see that hype and i've been to target at all different times of the day i've been there you know before they open or whatever because you know i'm just trying to get there and get my diapers and formula <laughs> so sometimes that means going at five o'clock in the morning and sometimes you know or late at night but um well thankfully he's not on formula anymore but uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so I, I don't see the lines, you know, during the pandemic. Yeah, I saw the lines, but everybody had lines then because they were yeah. only letting a certain amount of people in the store. Exactly. But um, now I don't see any crazy line. I don't see like you know, I don't see the Black Friday stampedes to the to the Pokemon card rack. Right, you ain't seen nobody <laughs> fighting over anything. Yeah, like I mean, I think these incidences are few and far between. I think 
maybe target just which i mean they're probably leaving a lot of money on the table which is interesting but um i think they just don't want to deal with the hassle more than anything else of like you know because cars can get messy i will say that they can get messy when you start because people start you know they're looking for specific packs and it's hard to keep the display neat and organized because kids are over there and now you got adults over there just ripping through packs and stuff and trying to find specific you know um yeah like different packs and stuff like that so yeah. uh, i don't know I, I think it's 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 only going to fuel the hype now though because that's one less supplier um <laughs> to get cards because they're saying they're only going to sell them online now so that's going to be interesting I didn't think about that. Like that's gonna make it, you know, makes it harder to get to it. Wow. Yeah. I. I just. I don't see the. I don't see it either. Like, I haven't seen it in person, so it seems like to me like it's a boogeyman type of situation. Because like you're telling me that all these people are rushing Target, but <laughs> but like you said, like we we've seen that hype for sneakers. We've seen right. that hype, you know, at iPhone launches and. Right, you PlayStation know, 5, PlayStation 5, Xbox, and all types of other things that even graphics cards nowadays is yeah. like impossible to get. Yeah, we, like, you know, we <laughs> see that stuff on the news. You know, we saw the Tickle Me Elmo craze, like right, the Furbies and the yeah, Tamagotchis, we, and we know like, these things exist, but we and not that it can't happen for Pokemon, but I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't like, see I'm it. I'm not seeing it at all. I I will see it sold out. But I'm not seeing these throngs of, you know, crazed moms and dads <laughs> right, like or, right. or just collectors, you know. I don't see these yeah. I don't see these collectors out here just going nuts over and buying up all the Pokemon cards, you know. Yeah. And it seems like uh, most of it is about is over the older cards anyway. You know, those are the more valuable ones, it seems like, from what I've seen. Um, just kind of looking into it, it's like, if you got cards from when we were growing up, and specifically me, because I know you were a little bit older, but, like, then that's, those seem to be the ones that are, like, they're going yeah. for if big you, money. If, you, if you've got a card, I mean, and I was still growing, I mean, I was a teenager when Pokemon really hit here, so if you've got a card from the, from 96 You've got, and it's in great condition, you've got some worth some money. I mean, it doesn't have to be yeah. Charizard, which is the most valuable. If you've got a 96 Pokemon that's in great condition, if it's mint condition, you've got something that's worth some money. Yeah, You've got something that's rare and that collectors are clamoring for, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a, those are the ones I see. I mean, I, though I've seen, because I've, I've watched... Well, it, it does say one of these fights, somebody had a gun, and there was only yeah. on the seventh of this month. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, like I said, I, guess, I but I, I still think it's like maybe those are isolated incidents more oh, than the oh, norm. Yeah, but still, because I mean, you know, people. Police, uh, police say a thirty-five-year-old man was physically assaulted by four other men. Was it a Florida man? <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Hold on, where is this? <laughs> this is Brookfield, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, okay. So let's see. 
they were arguing. Police. Okay, yeah. So the four men assaulted the 35-year-old. The victim put out the gun he was legally carrying, and the four attackers ran away. No shots were fired. All four attackers, aging in range from 23 to 25, were later okay. arrested. <laughs> so this this is y'all. Um, this is this is y'all. Um, this is you millennials. You or the your gen. This is either yeah. No, these this are Gen Zs. Yeah, they're, they're close to Gen Zs. Yeah, so they're not even millennials. They're Gen Zs. This is y'all crazy Gen Zers out here trying to jump a dude for some Pokemon cards, <laughs> and he pulled out the strap, and y'all ran. <laughs> Which is crazy, but like it's still, I think, like I said, I think that's those are not to discredit them, but there's just I still think they're isolated incidents. I don't see like you know, like I said, I don't see the hype. Like I remember, like the sneaker hype, right? And that's kind of died down over the years. But I remember when it was at its peak back a few years ago, and you know when you got the when you especially around Christmas time when you got them elevens. Whatever ones that were dropping, but specifically the concords of the breads. Yes. Cats were putting them in ShopRite bags. They were putting them in, you know, oh, Toys R Us bags. They were putting them just because, like, you didn't even want to be, you didn't want to see you carrying the bag around. Oh, yeah. Right. Because you didn't want to, you didn't want nobody to follow you to the parking lot and jump you for your kicks. Or so kill like, you for him. I or mean, kill you for him, right? Because some remember, people did get killed over the nineties when you know cats were getting shot. I mean, when when games talked about getting in you know, the game talked about getting killed from the Air Max ninety fives, brothers yep. were getting yeah. killed for yeah. the only Jordans over the Charles Barkleys. Those Air Max ninety right. fives were shoe. Yeah, right. it was no joke. So I mean. You know, and I, I've I've seen people do it with the even recently with the PS Five, and you know, you don't want you don't want to be seen carrying that around, so you put it in a different bag and all that. So it's like I don't, but I don't see that for, for no Pokemon cards, man. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing it at Target. I'm not seeing it at GameStop. I'm not seeing it at you know any of these stories where people were like, "Yo, yo, you took the last pack." Nah, man, I was here first. I, like, I don't see any of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I've even watched any wars over the. Yeah, I've I've watched people. I've watched the YouTube videos of people who go in and they're like, yeah, you know, they're vlogging or whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna go pick up some Pokemon cards and see what I can get. And they vlog the whole. You know, they're holding the camera the whole time. Nobody's like. You know, right up on, on their, out. yeah, like up on their, you know, right up on. I've seen them even go into Target, and they're like, nobody's there. Like, yo, yo, those those are mine. Those are my, that's my pack. Like, none of that. <laughs> like, they go in the store, and then like the shelves are full of Pokemon cards. Well, they you know? well, they, they got to be full because I mean they instituted a one pack per guest per day limit for any trading card so that's not which is also Pokemon. crazy baseball yeah, I saw, football I saw nhl yeah which i think is also ridiculous i mean i don't, I don't know what so you gotta tell me i gotta buy a pack leave the store come back right <laughs> buy a right. pack leave the store you know like but i mean also like it's not toilet paper it's not a cent like it's <laughs> and I, I i didn't you know <laughs> the it's pun intended. It's it's not you know it's not toilet paper. It's not Lysol wipes. It's not you know any of that stuff. Bleach, 
what is the, what's the rest of the stuff y'all ate? Y'all, y'all no, ran well, out of the store, chicken, gas. Yeah, it's none of those, not it's, it's trading cards. Like, why is there a limit? I understand, you know, essential items, but like, I never understood putting a limit on trading cards or even con- as much as that, like I, you know, I want a PS five and whatever. And I hate that these scalpers are getting all of them before anybody else can get them. I don't, I don't, I also don't support putting a limit on a one PS five per customer. Well, what if I got five kids and all, I want all five of my kids to have a PS five. Well, you, you, <laughs> you got problems. I want to I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I just, I think, I think if, if you got the money, Hey, if you got the truth, yeah, I mean, it's it's first come first serve. I mean, does it suck for I, the ones that don't get it? Yeah, yeah, it sucks. But I can understand, I mean, like I I can understand cards. why you They're put a Pokemon limit. cards. Yeah, if or I'm basketball com- cards. If I'm a comic book store, um, or I'm a you know I'm a I'm a nerd store, I can understand putting the limit because you're a niche store. You're not going to be making money. Um, well, in other ways, yeah. Like, like, well, your hard local hard customer hard. is your only customer, right? And you and you want your so you don't customer. want to you, you don't want to your local customers to getting all the cards. Yeah, you don't want to alienate them. Yeah, right. I understand that. Yeah, so that makes sense. But your target, but target. You know, your your money maker is not Pokemon, right? And like, you're getting probably thousands of packs or even hundreds, yeah, a week. Like yeah, your 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 big like, draw is not that like. If you're a niche store, especially if you're a niche mom, even if you're a chain, but if you're a niche mom and pop store, I understand putting the limit. Just right. like a local uh, video game store, I would understand if you you may only get six PS5s, and so you say only one per customer, um, and we all knew it was going to be limited anyway. There were only going to be so many to go around, so it, you know, was limited for Walmart, limited everywhere. So it makes sense to have that type of limit, but. And if it's a you know if it's a regular stock in demand like Pokemon cards are, and you know if it's a rare pack, okay, limits. But if it's just regular, just come on, sell them, just whatever. And if somebody yeah. comes and buys fifty, then they then they spent money on fifty. You know that's right. You and know, you made your profit. And you made your money. Yeah, you still made your money. You know your target. You're everywhere. You're not. You know. Right. People are still going to see you because they probably bought some soap or, like you said, <laughs> they bought some diapers or they, you know, they, they bought some food while they were there too. Yeah, they took like, their medicine hey, or they stopped right. at the Starbucks in the, in the in the Target. Like you know, they were there for more than just Pokemon cards. Like I don't know anybody that's like, man, let's let's hit up Target for the Pokemon cards. Like I've never heard that sentence that it uttered ever. <laughs> Me either. You know, like and, yeah, like I said, I. I I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I. They can't be that hard to get. If you know, like I said, there's. You go on Twitch right now, look up Pokemon, and there's hundreds of channels that are just unwrapping packs right now. So how hard are they really to get? And to me, that's not even exciting. Like, I mean, I know I'm not into Pokemon, but like, I wouldn't care about like if someone found. Like uh, some massive supply of like classic Pokemon cards that they were opening that 
kind of like you know like in storage wars like someone you know happened to come across all these packs and we don't know what's in them and it's you know a big reveal cool but like you're opening something that got made like a week ago like yeah like who cares like maybe it's just me because i'm not into it but i just i don't see what the excitement is in opening something that's that new um I don't know. I mean, there there'd have to be some type of you know big news around it that I just don't understand why they still. You know, I don't understand why they still worth so much. Like I understand why the other the old ones are worth a lot, but like these new like these new ones. If you find a, I forgot which one it is, but I think it's a Charizard. But if you find like a new like new, brand new pack just made could have been just made two days ago. Right. And you find a specific, it's like, a, well, I don't even think it's a specific one. I think it's just any Charizard. They're going for like $200 on eBay. And I'm like, how? how it was just made two days ago. Yeah. And they're making hundreds, dozens of them, you know, thousands of them um, all the time. Like, they're rent, it's not like they're they're okay. ramping down production. Explain <laughs> to me how, how this, like, okay. So there are a lot of, like, so I'm sure you've seen that clip of um, what's that show? The Vegas show, dude. Uh, the pawn shop dude. Oh yeah, um, pawn, pawn, pawn stars. stars. Yes. Okay. So I'm sure you've seen the episode where the, the 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 old dude comes in there and he's got all these original Charizards and like his like Charizard is uh, rated a ten, like the only one like that exists in the world or whatever. And yeah. he's got all these other Charizards that are worth you know thousands of dollars. Okay. Right. You you know the game so much more than I. So I'm I'm trying I'm I'm trying to figure out what is the benefit if you play Pokemon. What's the benefit of having 25 Charizards? Is there any benefit, or are you just being greedy? And like I I don't understand like how having all these Charizards you know and buying up all these Charizards you know. If you're if you're a person who's buying the card, you're buying two hundred dollars a pop per Charizard. Like, what does that benefit you? I, I just I don't understand. I think it started is it in the game collecting, or is it like does it help you if you have twenty five Charizards to to burn your your opponents with? Like, I, I don't know if there's any strategic benefit to that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It for game wise, it, it's. It's not really like any strategic benefit. It's you know, he's just as he's not like a super rare. It's just like any other you know, any other game, right? Like you play Magic or whatever. There's you do have rare ones that are you know they have more hit points or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, and so there were there were less that were, certain ones that were you know they made less of them or whatever, right. but from a strategic standpoint, if you're building a deck, having 25 Charizards is not really all that beneficial. Okay, It's a powerful card, but it's not like, you know, you still have to have a balance, right? Every deck has to be balanced. There's no, in any game, any card game, there's no like one master card. Yeah, there's no one, there's <laughs> not one card to, bring the, to rule them. Yeah, all. yeah, there's not, you know, as much as we want to believe the Dark Magician is the <laughs> OP card, it's not, right? It's like it can be trumped. 
Um, so every card can be trumped. That's the whole point of card games, right? There's yeah. no one card to rule them all. So it's not like if you had Charizard, you were just like, you, yeah, you were unbeatable. It's just more, I don't even know where the hype came from, really. I don't even, like, I, I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. It was like, out of nowhere, everybody was like, oh, Charizard is like worth such and such. I saw one that was worth like $18,000 or something crazy. Um, and there was another one that sold for like, I think the one, yeah, the one I sent to Big Country was like, it sold for like 20, 28000 or 29000 Something ridiculous. And um, yeah, but like I just, I mean, uh, I think that one was like super rare, but there's like, again, like I said, there's like no real, I don't know why. I really don't know why. Yeah, it's like when I was watching that video, I'm like, this dude has all these Charizards. And I'm like, well, I, I can understand if you're buying more, if you're buying packs because you're trying to build a deck and you get repeats, like, you know, just like collecting any card, you're right. going to get repeats in your, in the decks that you buy. So I understand if you have, you know, six, ten. Right. You got to be buying a lot of packs, if, especially because Charizard from right here is is pretty rare. So yeah. if it's rare and dude, ha, you know, has got, um, you know, thirty Charizards, you bought a whole bunch of Pokemon, right? You know, and I'm like, if you're if you're buying to play, I just you know, I just don't understand why you would have so many, and you know what the ultimate benefit would be. Like I would think yeah. you would you would have sold some of those off beforehand because you didn't need them. I know? think most people. I will say this: I think most people who were who had the originals, like you know, in my age group, uh-huh. we weren't really necessarily buying them to play. It was more to collect. Um, because like I can't as much as we love Pokemon. At the time, I honestly don't remember really playing, playing, okay. playing that much. Like we played it a lot on like, because at the same time, you know, the Game Boy game had came out, and so like, you know, we traded cards, but we never really like played the card game. You know, we just kind of like, yo, I got, I got a Pikachu. You want? I trade you Pikachu for Charizard or Blastoise or Squirtle, or whatever. Um. Or, you know, I got a, it's the same thing like you do with basketball, right? Like, um, I got a hollow, a holographic, whatever, right? That's so I trade you the, for your hologram. Sean Kemp, Sean was, yeah, <laughs> you know, I got one too. I still have it. <laughs> I think I still have um, one too. <laughs> I bought it for like, I remember I bought it for like a dollar fifty at this, which I'm so sad. Market. They're gone. It was a car, and that was a card shop that was like down the street from my house, my parents' house, and, um, they just closed down like maybe two years ago, Aww. but we just, I used to go there all the time. They were, they, they had cards. It, it was mostly trading cards. Mm-hmm. Um, they also had like models, you know, the, the plastic models and stuff you could build, like model cars and stuff like that. Yeah. It was like a hobby shop. And um, but you know, it's it's so hard to keep mom and pop stores open these days. Sure but 
Um, yeah, no, I, I went there and bought it. It was like a dollar fifty. <laughs> it was like, nice. and at the time I was like seven, and uh, yeah, my cousin was like, "Yo, you should get that card." We were like looking at cards. He's like, "You should get that card. That's the Sean Kemp card." And I, I, I think at the time I don't even think I really knew who Sean, Sean Kemp, Kemp was. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. It's holographic. Why not? And because uh, my cousin was a little bit older than me, and um, I got it. And just like I remember, I, I cherished that car for years because I was just like, this is the first. It was like one of the first cars I, I bought with my own money. Like my dad would always buy me packs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was like the first one I actually bought myself. So I was like, I took extra special care of it. And, um, but yeah. So yeah, like I said, like we used to just collect them more than we played the game. But, uh, I don't even remember playing the game like a few times, like with like friends and stuff like that. We never, we more so just collected them like, oh yeah. We didn't want to play the game because we didn't want to bend up and damage the cards. (laughs) (laughs) So. Wow. Well, I want to, I want to know. Nation, how many people in Nation or listen listen to this podcast actually played Pokemon, or were you just collectors like Unique DNA? Because I am still so new to the Pokeverse and Poke player uh, trends and the whole culture around Pokemon. So this is all brand new to me, and it's very very interesting. Uh, yeah. You know. Because I, I can see the trading card acts aspect of it, uh, but since it's a it's a game, I always just defaulted to okay, people play the play this like it's. But from what you're saying, it's probably true. A whole generation of people were probably just collecting and trading them and not actually playing them. So, very interested to see how many people fall into that category of uh, Pokemon card collectors, but not game players. We've got one last topic for this evening, and wow, this one could have been the longest, so <laughs> let's see. Um, the 2021 Basketball Hall of Fame class has been announced, and I want to know from you. If you don't know already who's in it, you're, you'll know. We're not just going to list them off, because my question for Unique DNA is, which is a common question among the Basketball Hall of Fame almost every year. Is there anyone, in your opinion, you feel does not belong in the Hall of Fame from this class? Uh, they're all kind of pretty weak, to be honest. <laughs> all? I mean, well, okay, okay. Well, uh, not all. No, okay, just, not all. No, you said all. Okay. He just said all is pretty weak. Okay, so some okay, notable not names. All. Notable, Notable names on this. Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Chris Bosch, Paul Pierce, Ben Wallace, Chris Weber. I'm sorry. No, wait. That's that's next year's. Um, right. Yeah. I was like, wait I'm a reading, minute. I'm reading the wrong ones. That's I was like, I did not see Tim Duncan on there. That, I would definitely wouldn't have said that if I saw. I'm sorry. Those were last years who got um, put in recently because of the delay. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you watched uh, 
the Hall of Fame speech that Vanessa did, uh, the enshrinement. Um, so, so, so last year, so they were voted in. They get enshrined this year, um, but the inductees are um, Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Chris Weber, uh, Ben Wallace, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, coaches Rick Adelman, Jay Wright, um, Bill Russell. Those are, and those are the main categories that people talk about. And there are some other categories which um, are committees that enshrine people. Um, that's the contributors, the international committee, veterans, women's veterans. Um, people really don't talk about those. Um, so I I will mention those later because some of those I believe are important um, to to basketball. So when it comes to the main, the main ones, Bosch, Pierce, Ben Wallace, and Weber, um, to me, like, I, I, I understand where you're coming from when it comes to people arguing against Ben Wallace. Um, however, a lot of these people who are arguing, I'm not saying you, but a lot of these people who are, are arguing against Ben Wallace are the same people who are calling Clay Thompson a future Hall of Famer when Clay Thompson is a four or five time All Star who has zero individual awards. People who are calling, who, who not, not anymore because he hasn't been playing well the past like season and a half, but the people who were calling Draymond Green a future Hall of Famer. When yeah. he's a three or four time All Star with one individual award, so there needs to be some consistency out there because what people are calling future is very it's possible. Not good enough. They may they, they 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 should not be. Yeah, they should not be considered future Hall of Famers because they didn't have the accolades for it. Now, when someone says Steph Curry, future Hall of Famer, okay, right? You know, then they were saying that he was a two time MVP. KD, future Hall of Famer. Okay, do multiple scoring titles, MVP, you know, became a champion. Cool. Okay, I, I can see that. He had the, the requisites there, but if you're going to call Clay and Dre future Hall of Famers and say that Ben Wallace is a five-time All-Star, four-time Defensive Player of the Year isn't a Hall of Famer, then it's like, oh, then, what, then what's a Hall of Famer? Right, and I think that's the better the better question is like, what is the what is the criteria now for to be a Hall of Famer in the NBA? Because I mean, but it's not the NBA. People forget it is the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, like when people say Chris Webber shouldn't be in or he's borderline, you can't say that because Chris Webber is one of the best college players we've ever seen. And that impacted the game and impacted the game culturally as a right. member of the Fab Five. Like, you, that's that's right. history. That's the definitive part of college basketball history. And we have never seen a starting five freshman before the Fab Five. Like, that's, that's worthy right. of the hall. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. You know, um, Chris Bosh, people say, you know, he's a weak addition. I mean, dude was 11-time All-Star. I think, off the top of my head, I may not be 100% accurate, but I think five or six-time All-NBA. 
um, multiple time first team, and I think like three or four, maybe five times second, second or third team. Um, Paul Pierce, same thing. You know, ten time All Star, Finals MVP, um, multiple times on you know all NBA teams. Like, I know these aren't. I mean, we don't herald them the way we herald, you know, uh, a Mike or a Magic or a Bird, but or or you know Hakeem or Ewing or David Robinson or even KG Kobe and and Tim who were enshrined finally this year, but I mean, these these guys ain't these ain't bumps. These aren't question marks, you know. This isn't. Uh, the big question mark ones we had were like Grant Hill because Grant only really had six great seasons. But still, when you take into account Grant Hill's college career, can you really say he's not Hall of Fame worthy? I think that's maybe that's probably where you're right and where a lot of people forget. Because even like a lot of times I I just look at their careers. Yes. Yeah. That's an automatic. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of these guys, they didn't, well, with the exception of probably, with the exception of Paul Pierce um, and Chris Bosch, didn't have, like, you know, fantastic NBA career. They had good NBA careers. Like, Ben, ben Wallace had a great career, especially defensive-wise. Um, You know, I like Ben Wallace. I like Chris Webber. But... um. You know, you don't think of them when you compare them to other NBA superstars. They're not the they're not top of the list. They're not you know they're not the first ones that come to your mind, especially in that era when they when they were playing. Ben Wallace, no, Chris Webber, yes. I think the part the part of Webber's problem is one the whole grand jury thing in line, so that that tarnished his reputation. But what he did on the court. You know, and his career ended, you know, where he just he couldn't jump. So he did not have a very graceful end of his career. But when he was in his prime, the only uh, the only power forward you could say was better than Weber in his prime was Tim Duncan. Weber Weber was owning everybody. He was he well, Dirk can't D up anyway, but he owned Dirk. He would dominate against KG like inside, outside. He had the he had the jumper. He could attack the rim. He had he was better passer than all of those players, including Duncan. Uh, better handles than all those than all those power forwards. And yeah, but he didn't I th- have the knee problem that took away his vertical part of his game. Um, he would have really dominated those guys. Yeah, and that's where I think. I think that's where he falls off for a lot of people because he it's like a Grant Hill, right? Like you you had the potential or even like even more recently, like a D Rose or um who else am I thinking of? Even a T Mac. Right? Like Well they put T Mac in and that and that one they I did. and that they one did. is questionable for me. See, that's a questionable entry in my opinion, is T Mac. Right. And like for me, and, and you know, T Mac was one of my favorite players of all time. But like I put him and C Webb in the same sort of category. 
You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't see them I don't necessarily see them as Hall of Famers. I I respect the game. I definitely think they had a great game. But because of the way their careers ended, like it's just like Hall of Fame is for me, like there should be no and then like again, this is just me, but like you you start strong, you play through strong, you finish strong. Like, you know, you like you can't be a like, oh well, you were great, but you had knee problems, you had back problems, you had to, like and that's what kept you from being one of the greatest power forwards of all time. That that's what kept you from being a, a Tim Duncan, a KG, a uh you know, whoever. Right. Um because those guys, though you dominated them in your prime, they were able to finish strong. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's well, they were I mean, able to finish their career strong. Well, not everybody gets to finish their career strong. And like and there are some Hall of Fame people who did not get to you know, like Dr. J did not get to finish his career very strong. But there's no disputing how great Doc was and that he's a, that he's a Hall of Famer. Um, now, Doc did not have the the lower numbers when it came to the individual portion uh, of the C-Web. So when we look at Weber, for example, because he's to me the weakest link, uh, the, the, the weakest link of those who I think has real consideration um, because I understand the argument against Ben Wallace. I, I love him. You know, I'm, I'm a Piston fan. I'm glad to see him in. But basketball, first and foremost, is about putting the ball in the hoop. And Ben Wallace did not do much of putting the ball in the hoop. He defended it, but he wasn't. He wasn't putting. He wasn't getting buckets. C. Webb is a guy with a career 20.7 points per game average, five-time All Star, five-time All NBA, rebounding champion, All Rookie, and the Rookie of the Year. That is a significant resume for a guy who averaged 20 points, almost 21 points a game, and 0.2 of a rebound short of 10 rebounds a game. And four assists. For power forward averaging four assists a game is very impressive. Now, when we look at someone like T-Mac, and again, we're not knocking T-Mac, but he's another one of those, I was like, I don't think so. This is a guy who averaged just under 20 points a game, 5.6 boards a game, 4.4 assists a game, seven-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA, twice the scoring champ, and most improved player in uh, in the 2000-2001 season. Mm-hmm. So some of this is obviously part of who, who weighs what more. So most improved player, cool. Rookie of the year probably weighs heavier in most people's eyes. More all-star appearances compared to to Webb. Scoring championships he's got that Webb doesn't have, but then Webb has a higher career average. So very comparable careers on this, you know, borderline who who's worthy, who's not. It's more of like you got to wonder what the criteria is to make Hall of Fame. Well, I've said, I mean, I think, well, we've said that before, but because we had, there there was a time where we would talk about Hall of Fame players 
And people were like, yeah. oh, this guy is Hall of Fame, or this guy isn't Hall of Fame. Right. And, and it's it, almost it, like, depending on who's on the committee. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's, not, let's not act like some of this isn't a popularity contest, because it took how long for Marcus Johnson um, and Sidney Cron- uh, Moncrief to to make the Hall of Fame when they should have been in, you know, years ago. Like, Sidney Moncrief right. is the only guard who's a two-time defensive player of the year. Right. Then they make virtually crazy the award because of how great he was defensively. And right. he just got in like three years ago. Like, that's the thing you got to wonder. Like, should championships, I guess that's the question, right? Should championships determine your eligibility to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame? Well, like, do you, or do you have to have at least one championship to be considered? Like, you know what I mean? On top of all your other accolades. Or do you just need to have one accolade or a couple of accolades? And even if you don't have any championships. Yeah, it needs to be. Yeah, that's a great question. You know what I mean? Because, like. Because there's got to be some type of balance. So, like, we look at some. Like, to me, if you're in the Hall of Fame and you don't have a championship, um, that means you are a, an extremely exceptional individual player. That means you were a Charles Barkley, you know, you were a Carl Malone, you were an Allen Iverson, and then so some guys who were borderline like, um, like Bill Walton. Like I've argued for years that Bill Walton was a border is a borderline Hall of Famer, and if it wasn't for his college career, would not be should not be in the Hall of Fame. Like if it was, if it was an NBA Hall of Fame, just NBA career only, he would not, he should not be in the Hall of Fame. But since it's yeah. basketball career and he was so dominant at UCLA, I understand why he's in the Hall of Fame. But like Bill Walton's NBA career, and you know injuries hurt it, but his numbers are like, like did he play? Like <laughs> we, like, <laughs> you know his his numbers aren't great. Right. You know, they're really not. And, you know, he had all those foot problems and stuff. But, I mean, I mean, if we look at Bill Walton's numbers, the dude averaged 13.3 points per game as a, you know, 6'11", seven, seven foot center in the era where centers dominated when you were the first option. You know, that was what – that was your job. Your job was to be the best player on the team. Average ten and a half boards per game, three point four assists. He was a two-time All Star, rebounding champ in the seventy six seventy seven season. That same year, he was also the blocks champ, um, two-time All Defensive Player, uh, Finals MVP in seventy seven, the League MVP the year after in seventy eight, and Sixth Man of the Year in eighty six. Two-time champion, one in Portland, one in Boston, where he was that sixth man. It's it's a great. I mean, there, there's a lot of things on the resume, but they're all, you know, one and one one or two times doing this thing, and of those championships, I mean, he was he was a super sub, but he was a sub. Right, you know, and there were four other Hall of Famers on that '86 Celtics squad. L- loads, of, loads of talent, you know. But I think his total point. What's his total points? Is 
remember because Shaq was saying something. He's like, Bill Wall, didn't Bill Wall know we have like 4,000 total points, something like that? Like, he, he, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And, and he's not wrong. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he can't. I mean, the, the line, guy never had point. a year where he averaged 20 <laughs> points a game. Like, you played through the right. 70s and 80s and never averaged 20 points a game for a big man. And, yes, the big man competition, there was so much more uh, competition for centers back then. But still, dude, like, to me, I look at that resume, and if he doesn't have that dominant run at UCLA, that, that to me, is not a, not a Hall of Famer. Like, he did not have a Hall of Fame NBA career. The only, the only thing that really separates him from, like, those guys is he does have that league MVP. That, that's the big award that separates him. But even like, but that puts him into the Derrick Rose conversation. Like, can, can we put this MVP who had gotten hurt and his career was stifled because of it? Is this guy a Hall of Famer because he was an MVP? And... It's a really tough question because if we look at Derrick Rose's career, even though he's still playing, uh, does he have enough to to be, you know? I mean, looking right now, he's he's a three time All Star, MVP, and Rookie of the Year, career averaging eighteen and a half a point. So based upon, you know, if if he if I get, I think if he will win it, if he won a championship. That, that probably would put him over. That would put him over. And that's what I'm saying where I think, like, championships make the difference. Or they should anyway. Well, they, they definitely do in Ben Wallace's case. If Ben Wallace isn't a champion, he is Dwight Howard with less scoring, and he does not get in. Right. And then we've got, you know, other one. Now, there's another question mark I have. I'm, I'm wondering what you think about this. I have a question mark on the, one of the coaches. Is Ben Wall is not Ben Wallace? Is Bill Russell? <laughs> is Bill Russell in here in the Hall of Fame as a coach because he was the first black coach? Mm. Because, to be perfectly honest, Bill Russell was not a good head coach. Now, before anybody wants to argue with me and say, "Well, Bill Russell won championship as a coach." That is correct. Bill Russell did win a championship as a coach. He did it as a player coach, as a completely different dynamic than right. just as a coach. Because as a coach, and he wasn't playing, his teams were sorry. And their records were sorry. So Bill Russell, the coach, not the player coach, terrible. Is he in because he's black and he was the first or... Because people actually think he was a good coach. I think it's I think it's probably a little bit of both. I want to say it's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah. Cause I've I've heard people not a lot, but I've heard people say that he was a good coach. You know, and granted to your point, he was he was a player coach, but I've heard people, you know, reference that. And, but yeah, I mean, it's, if we're just looking at the facts and the, and the stats, he wasn't, he wasn't a great coach. 
It may sound sacrilegious. <laughs> it may sound <laughs> disrespectful. People may say I'm a hater. I'm I love Bill Russell. I just I can't agree with him entering the hall in the coach's wing. Obviously he's in the player's wing because he was a fantastic player and the winningest like like the winningest player in sports probably. Um or at least team sports. I don't know anybody who's won more championships than him. But coaching, I just I can't see it. I can't. Um, how do you feel about the women that were uh, included? Uh, Lauren Jackson and Yolanda Griffith. I'm good with both of those. Me too. F- fantastic players. And I'm glad Yolanda finally getting some love because she yeah. is one of these forgotten, uh, you know, greats from uh, from her time, and she does not get the the props that she deserves. Yeah, she's been slept on for a long time. Way too long. And Lauren Jackson, um, so great. Uh, one of one of my favorites. I remember Lauren Jackson when she was just still in high school and making waves here in the states as an, you know as an Australian playing high school basketball. And I'm like, this girl can play. Um, she was like, like if, if you've never if people you've never watched Lauren Jackson play basketball, imagine a white girl, Kevin Garnett. And that's Lauren Jackson. She was just phenomenal. Uh, speaking of international players, Tony Kukoc in the international section committee was added to this list. So Tony Kukoc is now a Hall of Famer. Do you think that is going to uh, make a difference for people when they start arguing teammates because he's in because? He's in because of his international career, not because of, you know, and he's not even listed in as player. He's in as under inter, under international. So not for his, it's specifically like it's not his NBA career, it's his international career. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be, it, it, uh, but then, I mean, you don't see it. I don't hear a whole lot of people arguing for Tony Kukoc anyway. Well, the, <laughs> here's the thing: the only time I hear it is in the is in the uh, the is the endless amount of uh, goat debates when they want to talk about you know who had the better teammates. People are like, "Oh, Tony Kukoc was so great," and it's right. like, really, the guy he won a Six Man of the Year award, never was an All Star, never averaged twenty points a game. Like he was, he wasn't this huge impactful player. He was important to the Bulls, absolutely. But let's not act like he was a star. Yeah, I mean, he clearly wasn't. He wasn't a star. He was a star in his country. Yeah, but he wasn't a star here. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I think wrong with that. Like, like you know, Dino Raja was a star in his country. wasn't a star here. Still was a great player for, for you know from his country and had a you know yeah. an okay NBA career you know there's yeah. nothing wrong with that Vlade Divac you know another another example like yeah doesn't knock him as a player he's not a star yeah I think the last dance kind of ended a lot of that talk though oh. as far as like supporting you know as him being as like a supporting player it's, it's like they kind of you know. The way they they introduced him in the last dance, and then, um, you know, just Mike's thoughts on it and all of that. Yeah, they kind of 
put it out there like, yeah, he wasn't as great as you guys think he was. He was good, but he wasn't like, well, he wasn't all that. He wasn't. And then we saw when he went. And he wasn't. I mean, we know he wasn't, but I'm just saying for those people who, who, like you said, who like to debate. don't remember Tony Kukoc playing for the Bucks or the Sixers right. or the Hawks. Like, he wasn't that good. He was good. He was versatile, but wasn't that good. And he couldn't play right. any defense. <laughs> not at all. Could not play any defense. Any last thoughts from on your end from the 2021 Hall of Fame class? Nah. nah. I think I've said enough. <laughs> I think we've said enough. I think you are correct. Well, we appreciate everything that the 2021 class has done for the game of basketball, which collectively between the two of us is, is our favorite sport. And yes, cannot wait for uh, what the next class will be and for these NBA playoffs, which, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the play in next episode because I don't like it. But <laughs> that'll be a future topic. That'll you don't like the play. Oh, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah, next we'll talk about that next. I, I do not like the play in. I like it, I, but I, we'll I talk about anti play in. All right, you heard it already. We got one pro plan and one anti plan. How fitting. And the anti-play in is me, of course. So, of course it is. That, I'm not always negative. I just, I'm, I'm not, okay, I'm not big into change, folks, okay? Uh, I don't, <laughs> th- there's been eight seeds for all this time. I don't understand rewarding ninth and tenth seeds. But I am your host, Rocky Mr. Magic. He is my co-host, Unique DNA. We want to thank you for listening. And we could not do this show without you who continue to support us and press play. And thank you all so much for pressing play. We recently eclipsed, since our move to Anchor a year ago, we have eclipsed 4,000 plays. Thank you so much. That's like it's like 300 plays a month, which doesn't sound like a lot to most people, but since 50% of podcasts only average about 12 to 20 Downloads per episode, 300 plays per month means a lot to myself and to Unique DNA. So thank you so much for supporting us in pressing play. And please continue to do so, as well as support us by reading and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com. You can find us to listen to us, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, and more. And if you can't find us, let us know at jignation and gmail.com or message us directly on Facebook, Twitter, or IG at Jeek Nation. And until next time, peace. Ready to make an entrance, so back good. DJ what? And you're listening to the original Jeek Podcast.